Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on the show this week, episode 185, season finale. My in-person guest is Dr. Shannon Coates. Shannon has been challenging teachers in our industry to take note and do better. She talks about everything from student-led initiatives to abandoning the master-apprentice approach and some other heartfelt, deep changes that have to happen in our industry. Vocal Pedagogy 101 and beyond, right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, friend and colleague. Welcome and thank you. A heartfelt thank you for pressing play. And to all my friends around the world, uh, I'm I'm saying hello. And um, I want to shout out to uh, Hannah from Tasmania, that island just south of Australia, who took the time to send me a beautiful message. She listened to uh, Liz Jackson Hearns on the podcast, and she wanted to thank uh, Liz and myself. She was really inspired by that conversation. And Hannah, uh, thank you for taking the time to send me that message. It means so much. I cannot tell you how much it made me smile, and I'm thrilled. And yes, Hannah, I swear, someday I will show up on your doorstep because because Tasmania has always been on my bucket list. And fun fact, our friend, composer, Glyn Lehman, uh, in Australia, his daughter is going to school in Tasmania. So he has been there and um, yeah, I I cannot wait. So Hannah, thank you for your message. And my friends who are listening... um, Ah, this it's this is our our season finale. Uh, it has been an incredible year. I always go back through the list and and the episodes, and I read the notes, and I just I am in awe of the incredible people that have given their time and their talent uh, and their expertise and shared it on this podcast. I just can't believe how much I've learned, how many new friends I have. And, uh, just like Hannah, we, we get some great feedback and wonderful comments. This, uh, podcast is for private teachers, uh, people running their own businesses. And I know firsthand how much work it is. I know it's it's a lot of work. So I hope that this podcast has made your life easier, made you smile. I have a couple of announcements before I bring my incredible friend who happened to be here in person. I uh, had the wonderful opportunity. Shannon was adjudicating in Prince Edward Island. And of course, Nova Scotia is just a hop, skip and a jump away from Prince Edward Island. And so she was able to stay with us for a couple of days. So of course, we talked all about singing and pedagogy and everything for days and days and days. It was the best weekend ever. (laughs) Anyhow, before I bring Shannon on, I have an exciting announcement. Oh, this feels so good. We are, we have launched our online course. The Happy Singing Teacher Training course is now open and available. Right now, it is a mini course. It has eight lessons all about working with young singers. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of it. So we're launching the mini course, but we are going to 
add more lessons, more modules, more guest speakers, more wonderful resources uh, each and every month. If you register for the online course, you have a lifetime access to the course and its growing library of everything for working with the young singer. There will be a direct link in the show notes to our online course. I do hope you take advantage of that. And heads up, you want to sign up soon rather than later because the price will go up as we add more information to it. So take advantage of the introductory offer and uh, I hope you enjoy uh, the, the course. We're so proud of it. It's a lot of fun. We've made it fun, concise, uh, great videos. There's there's videos of, of working with uh, private students as well as um, resources that uh, we love. It's a wonderful, comprehensive, concise uh, course for teachers. Now, if you are a studio owner and you have new teachers who are working with the littles, you cannot miss this opportunity. Perfect opportunity for them to level up in their teaching skills. So that, my friends, is my my message, the online course. And of course, uh, this is the finale of season eight. This is one of the best interviews. I've had so much fun. This is a huge conversation about pedagogy, how it's changing, how we all are changing and how we are all working to do better. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and colleagues, Dr. Shannon Coates. Welcome. Welcome to Hemford Forest. Dr. Shannon Coates in the flesh. I know my my listeners can't hear that or see that, but we're going to wrap up season seven with my good friend, Dr. Shannon Coates, who happens to be in Nova Scotia, and I made her stay with us for the entire weekend. Welcome. How are you? I am thrilled to be here. This is so fun. It's so fun to do it in person, too. I'm like looking directly into your eyes. It's not a Zoom call. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Other than like... So awkward. It's awkward. It's so nice. It's been so nice. And I want to shout out to my sweet husband who has had to listen to two exuberant extra extroverts yammering on about vocal pedagogy and businesses and teaching and all the ridiculous emails we get and then how we would respond to them if we, you know. If we took the filters off. If we took the filters (laughs) off. No, so kudos to Sean um, that has had his home inundated and it's just all singing talk. Even my son is like disappeared (laughs) Um, it's been wonderful oh it's so nice Mm. it's so nice and uh uh but i have to say you're here and there's been some really horrible fires so now everybody's checking in to make sure that we're okay so true (laughs) so uh good news we are okay we are not close to the fires and we are thinking of all the people and all our friends who are out there so i hope everybody's safe so as always, ever since the day I met you, we we have just always just talked so in depth about mm-hmm. pedagogy. And it, I mean, it is just, oh, it's just such a huge thing. And if I look back, when did we first meet? When did we, what you did, I think you did the Vocal Instrument 101. <gasps> yes. Was that 2017? Oh, Nikki, I don't I, I think do it not was. know. Maybe. It was, I think it was. So <laughs> it was a while ago. It was a while ago. So 
I mm-hmm. met Shannon Coates kind of online. Shannon, you tweeted about the full voice workbooks. Oh, that's amazing. that. And I was like, amazing. Who is this really nice person tweeting about our books? And then you placed an order for our books and I put a little thank you note yes, you in did. the package. That I remember. I was like, <laughs> look at this service. <laughs> <laughs> And we and then and then uh, you were doing the vocal instrument one hundred and one live seminars, correct? And then I brought you to Hamilton to yep. do it for my people. Sold out, mm-hmm. so many people there mm-hmm. of, of all sorts of like teachers, students. Yeah. Like it was huge. And since then, you've done online courses, mm-hmm. and now you facilitate incredibly uh, popular and successful pedagogy, online uh, workshops and courses, and you, you're just really championing th- the changes that, we, that are happening in our industry. Like, I, 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 I don't, I don't know, I, I kind of think of it like our, our industry is kind of being called out for a lot of mm. bad behavior, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of misunderstanding of what our jobs are. Mm. And you've been really, you've been really like honest and, and, and helpful. And you share some beautiful work done by other people. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what motivated you? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your motivation? Like what's what, happening? Why, why was this? This is obviously a passion of yours. Why, mm-hmm. why do you, mm-hmm. what's your, what's the fire? Where'd the fire come from? Mm. Well, we didn't talk about anything about this before, did we? And now I'm like, oh, okay, I have to answer this question. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> That's <You're> deep. Welcome. <laughs> That's a deep one, Nikki. Um, I'm not sure. I think, I mean, as you know, I did, um, you know, I did the master's and the doctorate in, in pedagogy. And I think as I was coming through those academic programs, um, for which I'm, you know, I'm very grateful to have been able to do that, to do those uh, programs. But as I was coming through them, I was also one of the, you know, in my program anyway, I was one of the only people who had had a lot of experience already teaching in what I, what I call a a typical independent voice studio. Right. Mm, So, mm -hmm. um, my colleagues hadn't had either hadn't had any experience teaching in that kind of studio or, um, had only had experience sort of teaching maybe in a music school or something along those lines. Right. Whereas I, I was, you know, I was coming in with 10 years of already owning my own independent voice studio. Mm -hmm. So as I was coming through those programs and as I was looking at, you know, the information and the, the kinds of teaching that we were talking about and the work that we were doing, um, I was able to kind of pull out from those programs, what I wanted to really serve what I knew I needed as an independent teacher, as a sort of typical independent teacher, voice teacher with a typical generalized, uh, I've been talking about this quite a bit lately, actually about generalizations versus specialization and how mm. that generalization, the, the folks who are in an, in a typical independent voice studio are sort of like generalized, generalized or teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Or the teachers who have to have a vast amount of understanding and knowledge right. to be able to write and and to be able to because we have to we're, we're working with singers who are at 
wildly varying stages of coordination, wildly mm-hmm. varying um, motivations for taking voice lessons, yeah. wildly varying uh, um you know, time commitment, wildly varying goals, like just so, and styles as well. So we're looking at this, this necessity to have a, a a vast, broad range um, of knowledge and information in order to be able to really effectively teach and serve and work with this, Mm -hmm. you know, vast amount of, um, uh, singers who we're working with in a, like a typical independent voice studio. And so as I was sort of like coming through that and like understanding the information that I'm getting and kind of trying to put that into what I do in my studio. And then as I'm starting to work more with teachers, that's why the vocal instrument 101 came about. Cause there was, I, I felt like there was a real need for the kind of information that I was getting in my doctorate degree and my and my master's, um, and to a certain extent in my undergrad as well in an undergrad voice ped class, but I felt like there was a real need for this kind of information to be disseminated in a way that was useful for independent voice teachers. Mm-hmm. So not just for the folks who are going to go and teach a sort of specialized voice studio, mm-hmm. right? So not just for the folks who are going to teach singers who come in at, you know, a specific age and who are at a specific level of coordination Uh already and who have very, you know, relatively consistent goals and motivation for being in that, in the studio. Right. So that's why I developed, you know, the Vocal Instrument 101 to begin with. And then that sort of just started to somersault forward into, okay, so this information is great. All of this like anatomy and physiology stuff, that's all great. But what would be even greater, even awesomer, is if we also, as independent voice teachers, had access to information about like how to teach, about actual pedagogy, mm-hmm. right? Like actually how do we teach, um, which is part of the reason I love what you do as well, because you're you're developing those resources, but also supporting how we teach, not mm-hmm. just like what I teach, but also how I teach you know, giving support to like, what do I actually do with this information that I have? Right. Like how do I actually disseminate this information in the best way possible? Um, and you worked with lots of, you worked with education, like, you know, actual education, classroom educate, uh, classroom educators who have this training, right. Um, and who have this, you know, uh, understanding of, of learning stages and this understanding of, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's interesting because when you are in our industry of private mm-hmm. teachers mm-hmm. and I, my, our assistant at, at the team, Heidi was yeah. in education yeah. for over 30 years. Donna Rodenizer yes, was, an edu- yeah. was in education for over 30 years. And when I tell her some of the biases and some yeah. of the things that we have to kind of overcome, they're like, what do you mean? Like, of course, children sing or yeah. what do you mean? Of course you present things like that. And yeah. no, you don't do that. And it seems like it's common knowledge because yeah. So there's, there's a hole. There's yes, a hole. There's a hole there. Exactly. Well, and also what do you mean that we should, what do you mean they're not using play-based learning or what do you mean they're oh, not using gosh, yeah. like universal design? Like, what do you mean we're not doing these things that are, as you said, like quite common understandings in, with our education colleagues, right. And in, in actual pedagogy circles, mm. you know, and I wanted <laughs> to speak to that because, um, uh, we're working on on the the full voice teacher training and mm-hmm. and it's it's really interesting because i i have heidi my assistant who she goes through my videos for me and 
she is brutal because <laughs> because she, she has gone through yes. so much teacher training, mandatory, right? Mm-hmm. If you are a classroom teacher, you mm-hmm. have those those PA days or PD mm-hmm. days, you are in some sort of training. And and Heidi says, you know, there's some really great trainings and then there's some things where I want to kill myself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I can't <laughs> believe I have to sit through it for a whole day. Like they have to go through so much professional development. It's yeah. mandatory where a private teacher yeah. has to invest in it. Yes. Right? It has well, to come at a cost out of your own pocket yep. and you're not reimbursed for yep. it. Well, and also... An independent teacher in our industry, we also, we were talking about this earlier as well, we we also aren't conscious of the fact that this actually even is a thing. Right. Like that's the first, I think that's the sort of first barrier or hurdle to, you know, developing more pedagogy and, and a deeper understanding of pedagogic principles and understanding mm. like how we teach is that we're as independent voice teachers, you know, we're basically teaching the way that our teachers taught us who may or may not have any training themselves and, you know, for the most part, didn't have any training, which is fine. Obviously it's been working just fine, but I, how much better can it be? You know, like Mm -hmm. how much better can our teaching be? How much more effective can our teaching Mm be? But we don't actually know that there's this other whole resource out there because it's not in our industry yet, right? right? So this whole the whole understanding of the things that our education colleagues are trained in and mm-hmm. also are mentored in, they're you know they they do practical application where you're in a classroom and you're being observed. And I have lots of teacher friends who are like that was maybe the worst experience of my life because the person who was observing me was not great. And ah. I also have yeah, like you know, like <laughs> there's there's not great people in all of all of our industries, of yeah. course. And and I also have friends who are like, this was a phenomenal learning experience because the person who was observing me was fantastic. Right. And so I learned, I really learned how to teach, right? How to yeah. do all of these things that again, we're not necessarily conscious of the fact that this is actually a thing in our right. industry, right? So we're just teaching along. And we talked about this too that that also then means that we as teachers do not have benchmarks by which to um, self-evaluate whether our teaching is effective or not, right? Yes. I want you to expand this. We were talking about it. Like we've been driving places and (laughs) And just talking and just talking and, and then it's like excited talking and I speed in the car and then (laughs) I slow down. Yeah. We were talking about this. So there's so many teachers that are using benchmarks of competitions. Right. Yeah. Right. How well did my students do in XYZ festival, yeah. in Nats auditions, in, you know, whatever festival? And how well how well are my students doing on RCM exams, if you're in Canada mm-hmm. especially? How are all of my students getting into the schools that they want to get into? Are my students right. getting into the choirs they want to get into? Are my students getting into the shows they want to get into? Like that becomes our benchmark of whether or not we are an effective teacher. And that is an external, somewhat beyond our control. Right. right? And and those things are not necessarily good indicators of whether or not a singer has learned how to be and has learned agency in their own singing. Mm. Those are good indicators of whether or not a singer has, you know, effectively complied with what you've told them to do and whether Ooh. or not they're able to like fit into the the thing that is required to right. get to that benchmark. They jumped the, the whether they've the jumped op- through those hoops. Yeah, the hoops, yeah. Which again, not necessarily a 
I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. There are lots of bad things, but there's also, it's not necessarily bad, but it's also not what we think it is in terms of a benchmark mm-hmm. of our teaching, right? So we use those things because we don't have any other things to judge by ourselves to self-assess whether or not we are an effective teacher. So, and we don't have anything else to effectively assess whether the learning has happened. Oh, so, right? So, so yeah. we use these, we use these, we use exams, we use et cetera. We use all of these well, things. If I can speak to that mm. for a second, one <clears throat> of the things that we end up doing, because I, I did this for a long time. So I, I put yeah, up my hand do. and I yeah. say that I'm guilty of this, but we also, we also, um, uh, won't allow, like we'll we'll assess students based on will they do good at the things that I'm going to benchmark myself in, and then mm-hmm. we don't allow other students into our studio because they know they won't we they won't serve us mm-hmm. for that type of benchmarking. Exactly. So yes. we end up discriminating against students who yeah. just don't won't meet those standards. Yeah. Like I, I mean the the thing that used to make me rage was well you know basically I'm going to do an an, an assessment and. I'm basing it on what they would get in a RCM exam. Are right. they ready to do an RCM exam? Well, then you're ready for my studio. And mm-hmm. that used to make me Hulk mm-hmm. smash rage. <laughs> like, like you know the scene yes, yes. where like the Hulk, Hulk took Loki smash. and smashed mm-hmm. him back and forth. Like that, that I just, it's like, that's not fair. The whole point of them coming to us is they want to learn, mm-hmm. but we're already putting this bar up that, well, I need you to be able to do A, B, C, and D so that I get get the the recognition that I feel mm-hmm. that I need. Mm-hmm. Well, and also so then I can continue to affirm that I am an effective teacher, that I'm, a, I'm good at mm. my job. And there is nothing wrong with wanting to be good at your job. Obviously, we all want to be good at our jobs. We're all, our intention is to be good at our job. And that is, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm just, as we're saying here, you know, our industry, we, because we don't, have some of the other things that some of the uh, you know some of our colleagues do and have these uh, this understanding of other ways to assess learning and other ways to assess teaching we pull in these benchmarks and ways of assessing that are are you know basically false mm. you know the the equivalency of this is you know when we use say a written test mm. to assess uh i don't know whether uh, as a you know to assess whether someone has learned his i don't know something in history right right, right. so sure. we use a written test so and then we use the grades of that test to assess whether or not i am an effective teacher this is a, it is backwards it is backwards because i first of all what those tests assess is who's good at taking tests Who's good at writing? Who's good at reading? Who's good at taking out information from reading and writing? Mm. And who's good at, literally, who's good at taking tests? That's yeah. what it assesses, <laughs> right? That's the main who thing it assesses. Who has executive functioning skills? Who has executive functioning skills? <laughs> right. who, who, who doesn't have test anxiety? Like, who performs oh, well with one, a, yeah. right? Who, who is not an anxious person? <laughs> like, it assesses a lot mm. of things that are not necessarily related to whether or not you've actually learned something. Mm-hmm. And then in our school systems, I mean, this is this is gradually changing. There's lots of things changing in our education system, um, which, again, we're not seeing yet in our studios, but... 
anyway. Uh, so, and then we use the school system uses the grade the grades of mm-hmm. the class to right. assess whether the teacher is doing it, doing right. their job or not. And th- it has nothing to do with. And this, all, you know, teachers hate it because they get like, I'm just teaching to the test so that I can keep mm-hmm. my job or so that I can like continue to get the funding I need right. or whatever. You know, like all I'm doing is like you know, just cramming facts down and telling them how to take a test. Like that's all we're doing. I have no, I can't assess whether or not they're actually learning, right? Mm. I don't have any, I don't have the tools or the motivation Mm -hmm. or the administrative support to do actual learning and assessment. Mm. So then that, again, that just kind of sneaks in. And the, I mean, again, we were talking about this. Um, I did a, I went to a teaching and learning conference uh, put on by the University of Toronto, put on by the um, all of the sort of educational branches within the University of Toronto. Interesting. Um, and it was, I mean, it was, it was so, it was, it was incredibly validating. It felt so validating for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay. But <laughs> so validating because so many of the things that are happening in you know, in education circles, in our actual pedagogy, our actual education circles, so many of the topics that they're discussing, so many of the things that they're we're working to implement in classrooms, so many of the DEI initiatives, so many of the inclusive classroom strategies, mm-hmm. so many of the learning strategies that we're, you know, that we're implementing in classrooms are the things that we can do so easily in the voice studio. Yes. Like these things, and so we're talking, like I'm in this conference going, oh my gosh, this is amazing because all of these people are talking about the things that we can do like this in the voice studio. Right. All we need is like that change in in our, like first of all, we need to be aware of it. It has to be conscious. We have to understand that there is mm-hmm. a, another way to do this. Right. And then we have the, we need the tools to be able to actually implement, right? Mm-hmm. And also some mentoring and all that stuff to just sort of see that it's possible and and how to do it but that's the like you know it's so exciting because the classroom teachers are like okay they're struggling with like how do I like manage a classroom a group plus implement like these learning strategies plus like like administering a test to a group of students the reason we do it that way is because it's it's the most efficient way to you Mm -hmm. know see whether something has been learned but it isn't really Great. Yeah. So whereas we don't have to do that because we're working one on one, like or you know, in small, small groups. groups. Yeah. Like we don't have to do that. We have all of the, you know, we have this system already set up for us where we're we're in the best place to be able to implement these this this pedagogy. We're in an amazing place to do it. It's interesting too, because um I know that in my early uh, years of teaching, like talking about teaching to the test, like mm. I chose examinations and competitions as a way to show families the yes. value, right? So to me, it was like, it was something that I needed to do to prove that, yes. yeah. right? And it was so unfortunate because, you know, there'd be some really great young people that really wanted to sing. But again, they're not going to place in a festival because yeah. they're not there yet, or yeah. or it's just not where they. It's not a place for them, yeah. and you know you feel like you failed them, or mm-hmm. you have to do all this damage control, mm-hmm. and it, I, I mean mm-hmm. it was so stressful. Yes, and yeah. I mean, I think you're speaking too in that when you're speaking about that as well. I think you're speaking about the cultural shift that actually has to happen as well, mm. um, which again I think is happening in our. Like I said, teachers are 
working through this in, in classroom education as well. Um, but that also has to be a cultural shift for us in the independent voice studio mm. where we, we stop communicating to parents and we, we do the education with parents um, and, you know, any singers who are coming in who um, are adults where we're doing the education that says the, the benchmark for your success, mm. we're going to figure it out together and mm. you get to be in charge of that, nice. right? You, I'm going to support you while we figure out what the benchmarks for success are for you. So you're, and again, this is why we can do this so effectively in the independent mm-hmm. voice studio because I'm just working one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I don't have to work with groups. I can just, you and I can, we can sit down and mm-hmm. figure out what are, what do you want to do with your voice? Okay, right. great. And then how will that look like in your voice? Okay. And also how will you know that you are being successful and you're actually on the trajectory toward what you wanted to be able to do with your voice. So let's, let's figure that out together. And then if singing in a festival is part of that trajectory, that's one thing, right? Mm. Like maybe people, maybe people feel like, yes, I, this is part of the way that I can, you know, judge for myself, whether or not I'm becoming more comfortable as a performer. Mm -hmm. Terrific. That's amazing. But other people may feel like, you know, like, the, uh, or maybe people feel like they want to do, uh, you know, RCM exams or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But then they get to decide. And yeah. they also have, they also then are not going in as if this is a, you know, final assessment of all of my singing and all of mm-hmm. my learning. They're mm-hmm. going in with this is a formative assessment. This is a, this is a one little thing in my journey toward my goals mm-hmm. that will give me good information about where I am in my learning mm-hmm. versus this is going to like, whether I get an A or a B or whether I get a 90 or a, you know, or whether I get first or second, that, that, that is the benchmark of my success. No, it becomes it becomes part of the journey of learning versus like this, you know, final assessment of whether or not I've learned a thing. You know, I love that conversation. And I know in my, the last few years, uh, moving towards more student led <laughs> yes. and having more conversations with parents where it's like, Oh, by the way, these are student led. Yeah. So we need to know what, what's our goals. Yeah. Like, like where do you want to go? I do want to speak to the fact that a lot of people have never been asked that question 100%. and they don't really have an answer yeah. for you right away. And, yeah. and how do you manage that? Like when you yeah. have a student that comes to you and parents that come to you, well, she likes to sing and yep. uh, I don't know. Yep. How do you manage that? So yeah, absolutely. I'm asking you the hard questions. No, I, I never, we it. never practiced. We didn't even practice one. any of these, <laughs> but I love it. I love it because these are the questions that people ask. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is also, so let me, before I answer, let me do, let me say uh, two things about this. One thing is that, um, <laughs> often, often, mm. um, you will hear folks who teach in specialized voice studios. Again, those are the voice studios or who are specialized, you know, they're specialization folks who, these are the folks who teach a very specific population of singers and generally those singers tend to have very specific goals. They're coming to voice lessons for a very specific reason. Mm -hmm. I want to get my degree. I want to like, I don't know, become a rock pop singer or whatever. Like they've got a very specific goal and they're generally at a maturity level, Mm -hmm. right? So that, that specialization generally tends to have, they're coming to you because of your specialization. Right. 
So when those folks say, well, it's student-led, and so just whatever, you know, whatever, like, we just, all we have to do is figure out their goals, and then we work from there. That is, that can make those of us who work in generalization and who are more generalized teachers feel like, okay, yeah, that's great for you because you have all, all of the, your, all of the singers you work with have, have very specific goals. Yeah. And yeah, they like come to you with those yes, goals. Yes. That's right, the reason they right. are studying with you. So mm-hmm. that's easy to do. So good for you. And also thanks a lot, dude, like for <laughs> like telling me, right? Like, so it feels, it feels gross in some cases. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we often, like people ask me this all the time. So yeah, that's my problem with student-led is that like students don't know what they want. Like they yes. don't know, right? And in some cases it's, it's because no one has asked them ever, ever in their whole academic career, anywhere where they're in a teaching mm-hmm. situation or a learning situation, what they want to learn. No one has mm-hmm. ever asked them that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some cases, and in some cases, it's because they really, like, maybe they're taking voice lessons because their mom and dad want them to. Right. Or maybe they're taking voice lessons because their friend is. Or maybe they're taking voice lessons. I mean, they, they really yep. have not considered it, right? right? And that, for me, is the, certainly, that is far more common, again, in that general, in that independent studio Mm -hmm. situation. Um, And so, yes. So where do we go for that? So that just means that they are at, when, when I, I, I'm always sort of encouraging teachers to seed those questions, Mm. regardless of whether or not they have the answers right away. Right. Sure. So you're just seeding those questions right from the beginning. And we tend to do this anyway. What, Mm. why are you taking voice lessons? Mm -hmm. What would you like to blah, blah, blah. And if they can't give you answers or if their answer is something like, well, I just want to sing. I just want to learn how to sing. Mm -hmm. Terrific. That's where we start. That's absolutely fine. But As voice teachers, then, we want to be really conscious of where they are in the learning journey. So if they're at the very beginning of their sort of learning journey or their agency journey, if you will, Mm. or their student-led journey, they're at the very beginning, that requires us as voice teachers and as teachers to just be far more supportive and less, um, you know, and, and give far more options. So, okay, you, what would you like to sing? They don't know what they want to sing. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me give you five options. You go home and take a listen. Which one do you want to sing? So that means rather than throwing it all on you because you don't know, sure. I'm just going to give you lots of options until you start to figure out. And then, terrific, you chose this song. Okay, let's figure out why. What did you, what do you love about singing this song? Mm. Terrific. So you're consistently sort of seeding that, like asking the questions. Oh, okay, you hate that song. What do you hate about it? And if they don't know what they hate about it, you offer them options. Okay, did you hate the rhythm? Did you hate the lyrics? Did you hate the, I don't know, the voice of the singer you were listening to? Did you hate, and if they can't tell you, that's fine. But that's the process where you're continually Mm -hmm. offering the options and you're continually kind of like just digging down, just Mm -hmm. digging down, asking the questions so that they start to get into the habit of asking the questions themselves right. and being able to notice when they're making decisions and why they're making the decisions. Mm. And that starts to move you through then. There are four stages of um, a student-led learning or a student... Mm, the word has gone out of my head, but student-led learning. There are four stages of student-led development or something along those lines. Okay. And that first stage is the very supportive, like I'm here in a very supportive role for you. And I'm offering all of this, like, 
It's the same thing when I say, when you say, how did that feel? And they're like, I don't know. So then you give <laughs> options, right? So then you say, okay, did it feel this? Did it feel that? Did you mm-hmm. like this? Did what happened there? Blah, blah, blah. Or you draw their attention to something specific. All right, let's try it again. Uh, notice what's happening in your tongue. I don't know. Notice, notice which color it feels like you're singing, whatever. And then tell me that afterwards. So again, you're offering all of these options so that they are moving toward that. Mm. And they're constantly like in that place of like starting, just starting to think about it, just getting used to thinking about it. And then they start to move toward being able to start to answer some of those questions or even just being able to choose some options. I thank you for all of that. I'm thinking about all of the teachers that come to the forums and they're like, I have a student and I've given them this song and this song and this song mm-hmm. and this song and this song and they hate them all mm-hmm. and I'm so frustrated. So I I love what, the, what you just said there because maybe we look at it as is just data. Yes, yes. It's just data. You it's, don't have to take it personally. Exactly. They're not insulting you by not exactly. liking. And the other thing I wanted to add to that too, especially, you know, you and I are from another, you know, generation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a nice way to say we are older. Are you saying we're old? <laughs> well, I mean, I had, I'm aging myself. I I loved my Sony Walkman. Right, yes. Yes. And I had tapes yeah, and I listened to the radio. And when I found music that I liked, I had to buy it and I listened to it and I listened to it and I listened to it. That's not the experience of kids anymore. Right. They have access to every piece of music ever written. If they like my singer that loves musical theater will go and watch five different performance, mm-hmm. professional performances. And she'll be like, I'm referencing this performance here, not this performance here. And it, it's, it's, and it, and I can't, like, I can't even imagine mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm totally dating myself. I remember in jazz school having to go to the library <laughs> to listen to some Ella Fitzgerald. I, like I had to like sign out the recording. Yeah. Right. And now I can see every, Everything that she ever did on my phone, in bed, in my pajamas, <laughs> you know, like with a I cup know. of tea. I know. So when we say to kids, what do you like? Like, there's just a multitude of things. And and, and I, I, and for teachers out there listening, I get frustrated too. Yeah, I do. Course. Like, I'm like, or then they give me something and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. But there's something in that piece of music that they're connecting with. Yeah. And if it, if you can figure it out, yeah. you can go then to the next step. Yeah. And also, you're, if you're working in that way where you're saying, oh, okay, so what do you love about this? And even if they cannot tell you, and even if they can't choose an option once you give the options... Again, you're seeding that. Mm. You're just seeding it. And it's mm-hmm. just data. They can't mm-hmm. tell you yet. And that's fine because there are stages of development for this. We develop agency. It's a learned thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. Well, some people have more agency than others off the mm-hmm. top, but like when they come into the studio, for sure. But this agency is a learned thing, learning what I want and also learning that I can ask for what I want and also mm-hmm. learning why I want it yeah. and also learning how to self-assess whether I am moving toward what I want. That is a learned skill, yeah. Fran. And that's, you know, when when we're when we're not supporting that, we keep them in, like when we continually, like when we are continually telling them what 
they should do, what they should be listening to, what they mm. should, like when we're continually in that. And also when we are continually saying, you know, you're doing this because of this, this should feel like this, mm. there should be this. Like when we're continually like giving them all of the feedback about what's happening, sure. that keeps them in the sort of infancy stage of agency that mm. keeps them and that keeps us in the like overroll, right? Like that keeps yeah. us in the power overroll rather than gradually moving toward this, you know, conversation around what do you love and also why? And also how do you know when you're doing the things that you love? Oh, this this is so powerful. So the one thing I wanted to add to that, you know, about them learning how to communicate and not knowing why or yeah. and, and constantly helping them to that that focusing inward is one thing I wanted to add to that yeah. because this is something that Sean and I were talking about the other night. So if my listeners to the podcast know I talk about our son all the time. He loves baseball yes. more than he loves his mama. <laughs> and um but he is very passionate about the music that he listens to. Mm. His his music, he remember you got in the car. So Shannon Coates had to come to Noah's game. <laughs> she cheered him on. Which I enjoyed. She she was a she was a good auntie. And uh <laughs> but remember when he was like he didn't have his phone? Yes. Right? That was the hard. only reason that he wanted his phone, because he wants to listen to his music mm -hmm. so badly. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. He's 12. Yep. He does not want to share with us the music that he listens Amazing. to. It's very personal. Very personal. And, and uh, Dr. Ginevra Williams talks about this, yeah. about that age group and identity yes. and who they are and what that music means to them. And then you got a voice teacher coming in telling yes. you, you shouldn't listen to this mm -hmm. and this is making you do this. And this is the music you should like. Like that's just, cr that, yeah. cu that crosses a very, yeah. very deep line. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. And, and, and so that is, that is, I love, um, which never does as well, right? Because she brings in the like psychosocial science as well, oh, right? Huge, like, so yeah. she's she's like, and here are the reasons that this is not good for developing people because of who they are as people and where they are in their development as people, right? Um, which I absolutely love, and also that is the like that's the science part. We have the data for that. We know mm -hmm. that this is not awesome. And on the other side, we also know experientially that this is not awesome. How many mm -hmm. teachers do you know? And how many singers do you know who do not have fond memories of their, yeah, Nikki's putting her hand up, uh, who do not, who do not have fond memories of their very well-intentioned voice teachers who, you know, force them to sing stuff? Well, okay. I'm just, I've shared you know? this before. I have to get it out. Because I'm feeling the feels. Mm -hmm. I did everything my teacher asked. Yeah. I was a good student. Yeah. I sang everything she gave me. I did I did everything she asked. And the one time, the one time I wanted to sing, and it wasn't a rock song. Oh it wasn't gosh. a belt song. It was just a folk song that I really loved. And my dad played the guitar for me, and she went up one side me and down <gasps> the other, and she didn't even hear it. And that was the end of my relationship mm -hmm. with that teacher. Mm -hmm. I was like 12 mm -hmm. going on 13 mm -hmm. and I had been like, and, and talk about like student that went to the festival and won all the awards. Like if you needed some validation, I, I totally, 
You I gave told, that. I gave that to you, and you couldn't even give me the time yeah. of day to hear a song that meant so much to me that yeah. I, yeah, that's... Exactly. So yeah. we have, I mean, there's some discussion <laughs> I just saw today on some of the, for- one of the forums mm. about like experiential versus like what's actual science. Um, and I just want to say that in many cases, what is experiential is backed by science. There's a reason uh, that we have this feeling of, of you know, how your relationship was broken. There's a reason. That was a violation the, like, of trust. It was a violation. And, and that is, like, that is, you know, psychological, like, that, this is, that is real. It's not just because you had this experience. The experiential goes with, the, you know, so. Yes. Yeah. And I want to speak to that, too. Even though that really affected me. Yeah. I still went into teaching thinking that I knew better than my students. Yes, exactly. So shame on me. Right. Like you hurt me, but here I am pulling the same crap. Yes. Right. And that, yeah, exactly. So, and I was just going to say too, like, I, it feels like, it feels like I, I would hope that in our day and age, and especially folks who listen to your podcast, I would hope that there are not folks who are in this time doing that, mm. I would hope, mm-hmm. who are not shutting students down. Um, yeah. And I think that there is still a very, like you're saying, a very sort of per- pervasive like undercurrent that means that we still do like negotiations with students, right? So mm. we do like, okay, well, you can sing the song you like if you sing this art song. <laughs> you can sing in the right. You can sing in the music theater section in the music in the festival, so long as you do an RCM exam. You can sing like so. We're still doing this like very subtle negotiation. Maybe not that subtle. I don't know. We're still doing this negotiation of like, if you're compliant, I'll get you. I'll give you what you want, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's that is just as damaging. That is just as that is maybe not just as damaging, but that is just as um, ineffective in terms of learning, right? That is right. just as it shuts down learning so fast. It just it is so ineffective. It is such an ineffective way to learn. Mm-hmm. And what you're teaching, again, what you're teaching students is compliance, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not teaching agency. You're not giving students the uh, ability to understand who they are as people, the like who they are as singers, what they want to say, what mm-hmm. they want to communicate. You're yep. not. That's the essence of singing, is it not? Yeah. Like to 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 discover who I am and to have a deeper discovery of what I want to say and who I am in the world and what I want to communicate and how I want to communicate it. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that's, I mean, that's, is, and I think if you talk to singer, if you talk to teachers and you say, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you love to be a teacher who supports singers who discover who they are? Of course. We're, every single one of us will be like, yeah, of course. And that's exactly who I want to be. Right. And then we go out and do the things in our teaching because it's unexamined and because we don't know what the other options are. Mm -hmm. It's unexamined. So we go out and do the things in our teaching that we've been taught and that we just pulled in from because we Mm -hmm. think it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And we're just doing our best because that's what we know. And so, and we perpetrate the same thing. (laughs) Like we just continue to do the same thing. That is not agency supporting and is Mm -hmm. not student-led. It's not leading to students having... 
you know, this experience of being able to communicate and, and really understand their own goals and what they want to say, you know? So, yeah. So that all. I love that. That all that got was deep. heavy. That got deep real quick. No, that was good. That was good. I'm really, I, that is so important. It's so important. Now, uh, we were sharing, uh, you were sharing again, we were driving in the car going somewhere and you were sharing your, Okay, I love a pithy slogan. Yes. <laughs> okay, so so there in the there was a, a meditation a support community online during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and it was an online meditation, and then you would study a a, a pithy uh, Buddhist slogan, and there's like fifty eight of them. I and and they're like. There, the slogan itself is pretty simple, but the conversation about it is like, it's deep, right? So we'd have a meditation, we'd have a little welcome, how are you doing, kind of check in. And then we would discuss the pithy slogan of the week. And it was mind blowing. So when you told me the pithy singing slogans, I was like, oh my gosh, there's pithy singing slogans. I love it. So... So, so <laughs> pithy well, singing let me, slogans. Let me put them into. Let me let me just sort of put this into context. So <laughs> as I started, yeah, uh, as I started to develop, um, as I started to move more out of like anatomy and physiology and and teaching, like you know, working with voice teachers to develop their understanding of like you know what's happening in the body and all that stuff and coordinations. Um, I I came very quickly into the understanding I know it's my I, I came very quickly into the understanding that um, what we actually need more of or what is going to be even more useful for us if we want to be the kinds of teachers that we say we want to be is an understanding of how to teach. Mm. And so that mm. then motivated like the voice pad undegree, which is one of the things that I um, have started to do, as well as some of the other uh, courses that I've started to, to do, as well as how I've changed some of the way that I work with um, the undergraduate voice pedagogy course that I teach, et cetera. So that really motivated some changes there away from this you know, real focus on like, let's make sure you have this understanding of anatomy and physiology or the way that things work into let's make sure that you actually understand how to teach. Let's, let's Mm. get over to that side a little faster and Mm -hmm. let's, so then that motivated me to sort of start to gather up some of these little pithy sayings to go with the concepts that I was, you know, so, Mm -hmm. so some of the concepts. Yeah. So one of my, one of my, um, one of my favorite, Mm-hmm. I have well, there. Uh, I brought four to the table today. Okay, so okay. just just only four. Okay, what's I your have favorite? several, but what's your one favorite? of my favorites is demo over describe. So demonstrate over describe, mm. and this one goes along with the, um, you know, the our understanding of like motor learning and how we acquire uh, motor skills and how we acquire new coordinations, right? Mm-hmm. And especially again, when we're working with gen in a generalization situation versus a specialization situation. So again, this is something that is 
something that we hear from the specialization folks, like the specialized folks, where they're like, oh, you know, don't sing too much in your lesson. Don't do too mm. much demonstrating. You don't want them to sound like you, blah, blah, blah. We hear that from the specialization folks when, in fact, in our generalization, yeah, we want to do a lot more demonstrating than we do mm-hmm. because what we want to do is we want to demonstrate coordinations and tonal outcomes. We want the brain to be able to go toward a sound, mm. to coordinate toward a sound mm-hmm. so that the brain has something to work toward, right? It needs something to move toward. So the more we can demonstrate, even if we're not demonstrating in the octave, we're not demonstrating, like, so long as we're demonstrating that concept uh, and that coordination, the more effective the learning can be. Mm. Because the more we describe it, the less effective the motor learning is, right? So uh, I described to you, okay, so now I would like for you, you're going to learn how to do a mix belt. Okay. So like, and then you tell what what the vocal folds are doing. Yeah. Or, or I say to you, and it's going to feel like this and you're going to do that. And I want you to make sure that your mouth is in this position and you're going to do this. This is like a whole checklist of things that my brain has to think of, but like coordination is that fast, like faster. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's way more effective if I say it'll sound like this, blah, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. Now you do it. Great. Let's do it again. Demo over describe. I love it. Okay, I have to share you. Okay, I got to yeah. go back to baseball world. Yes. Noah had, because I told you about this. Yeah. Noah has been very fortunate to have Cuban coaches. And and one year his coach, Damien, brought up a friend from Cuba in the winter. Poor guy. I'd never seen snow before in his life. <laughs> this is wrong. And he was like shivering all the time. <laughs> but he could not speak English. Right. And he was the most effective coach yeah. that my son has ever had yeah. because he could only say yes, no, and do it. Mm-hmm. And it, or like and more this, like this, like this, do it like this, that was yeah. the word like this. And he would, he would like hold the bat, show my son and go like this mm-hmm. and then hand the bat to my son. And there was no conversation mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. anything or descriptions of muscle groups or anything. And it, the transformation was mm-hmm. incredible mm-hmm. and there was very little the communication was in showing physical things yeah. and he would demonstrate and he would go, no, yes, like this. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And that was it. And that's, we can learn a coordination so much more effectively by listening or watching or mm-hmm. whatever and doing and giving ourselves three or four, five, six repetitions mm. to just let the body figure it out. Could you imagine going to a yoga class where the, they yeah. never demonstrated? They just stood in front of you with, and they just you? sat on the yoga mat and said, okay, <laughs> you're going to take your right leg. I mean, I'd be done there. I'd be like, okay, wait, is this right my leg? right leg? Which one? Oh, right. This is my right <laughs> leg, right? Exactly. And could you imagine how miserable that class would be? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't, I, you know. I always, you have to watch them and then you you have to do it. Yeah. Demo over describe. The other one that goes along with that one for me is um, exploration over explanation. I love that one. Yeah. That's my favorite one. Exploration over explanation. And for me, that one is, that one is after someone has done, you know, they've done some singing, they've done some work, they've, you know, maybe acquired a skill or maybe not. Mm. Maybe they haven't been quite successful in that coordination. So rather than, 
And sometimes what will happen is they'll, you know, they'll say, oh yeah, that felt a lot better. And then we go, yeah, that's because you did blah, blah, blah. And you did this and that, and you did all the things. Yeah, you did this. Or they'll say, oh no, that didn't really work. And then we say, oh, that's because blah, 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 right? And so next time you need to do blah, 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 blah. So yeah, wah, 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 exactly, exactly. And I mean, there is a time and a place for explanation for sure. But overall, we tend to way over explain, which then means that we're not doing the thing. So what is a better way, a better way or more effective way for us to teach and for singers to learn is... You give me some feedback and you say, that felt really good. Oh, amazing. What felt good about it? Great. Let's try it again like three times and see if we can get that same feeling. Brilliant. Right? Explore it. Explore it. Oh, that Mm -hmm. felt terrible. Hmm. What felt terrible about it? Okay. That's interesting. What part of that was really good? Which which one of those was the least terrible? Hmm. Amazing. Let's try it and see if we can get it the least terrible Hmm. now. That one is find over fix, which we can talk about in a minute. But so we're going into exploration Mm-hmm. rather than me like yammer, 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 right? Mm-hmm. We're just trying to get that, we're trying to get that speech to singing ratio really skewed towards singing, <laughs> like as much think, as possible. I think it was you. I'm pretty sure it was you. I always credit you. I mean, <laughs> when it, when you when you're going through an exercise with a student, I mean, my first instinct, I think a lot of people's instinct is you hear something and you immediately want to correct it. Right. And my rule now is I am, I, re, I will not let myself interrupt until yes. they've had or offer any yes. correction mm-hmm. until they've done it at least three times yeah. four even more Yes, because 90 times, 90, percent of the time it auto, they auto fix it. They yes. correct it. I'm going to do baseball thing again. Forgive yeah, me. Forgive me listeners. <laughs> when the boys are warming up, mm. no correction is offered until they've like thrown a whole bunch of pitches because mm-hmm. They are throwing crazy Mm -hmm. because they're not warmed up and they're figuring it out and they're getting into their bodies. And only after a certain amount of time does any correction to their technique or their mechanics go. Absolutely. And, and, and that was the same. It was the same coaches that are like, I'm not, you don't, we don't fix anything until they've warmed up. Yeah. Well, and exactly. And I mean, this is, again, as conscientious well-intentioned teachers. Mm. We feel it's our job to make sure they know all the things. <laughs> That's not our job. No. Our job is to support them as they learn. Mm. So, yes. Here's how here's how we do the exercise. And and this I I ask teachers all the time. You are I I I want you to literally count to 3. Mm. One. That's one repetition, good. Two repetitions. And you're not allowed to give any feedback. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do a little bit of modeling. You can do like the inhalation model or whatever. You can do like a gesture model, whatever. That's all fine. Like the sort of, um, you know, the modeling to give a to give a little bit of like direction to what they're mm-hmm. doing for sure. But no feedback and no new directive. Like absolutely mm. not. No yeah, new directive. New dire- mm. Absolutely not. Um, so because what does that do? It takes away their agency and figuring it out for themselves, mm. right? So as soon as I'm like, you've sung it once and I'm like, okay, so now make sure you do blah, blah, blah. I didn't even get a chance to do the first thing that I was right. trying to do yet. And also, okay, so now I'm going to add the new thing. I don't even know what I'm thinking about anymore. And, you know, and I, I get it too, because, you know, you're in that, 
30 minute, 45 minute lesson. And you want to, you want to be like productive. I'm doing air quotes and you want to fix all the things because your people are paying you a lot of money and you got to show them that you're fixing the things. It's hard. It's really, Mm -hmm. really hard. I, I might've, I might've gotten this from you as well. I talked to so many people. I, I it's hard it's to attribute <laughs> to who I took this from. But sometimes, one of the things, especially with the littles that I find mm-hmm. is effective. So let's say we're saying singing a phrase and they're just kind of underneath one of the notes. I'll say, I love how you are opening your jaw on that high note. Yes. And they immediately go, oh. And now they're thinking about opening their jaw on that high note and they're excited to do it rather than, oh, you know, you're not hitting that yes. high note. We really need to work yes. on that. And you yes. know, and that is like gold. They, yes. it's, I always see, oh yeah. And they're like, hmm. Yes. And it's yes. like, gold. it works every time. It's my, it, that is one of my favorites. And it, uh, I don't have a really pithy fun one for that one, but I have two <laughs> for that is one is ask for what you want mm. rather than pointing out what is not working. Right. So ask for what you want. What do I want? I want to see more of that jaw drop. Oh, I love that jaw drop. I'd love to see that more, right? Wow, yeah. So versus like... um, Your jaw's really tight. Yes. Your jaw's really tight and you're really not opening your jaw. It must be from all the gum chewing and belting that you do. Just ask for what you want. (laughs) Just ask for what you want. Uh, But it also means you have to be way more clear in your own head about mm, what you're listening to as mm -hmm. well, right? And what you're observing. Like you have to be way more clear in your own head. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other one is that I, I also mesh that one in with using growth language. It's not quite growth language, but I also, I like it. Ask for what you want, positive directives and Mm -hmm. use growth language. Those are kind of meshed together Mm -hmm. because the positive directive is like, I'm going to ask you to do the thing that I want. The positive directive is based on like, yeah, like (laughs) one more time with your jaw as open as you just did it versus one more time, don't close, remember not to close your jaw. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> and that's neuro-linguistic, yes, right? Yes. Like it, it's like oh, yeah. if you if you don't say the word no or yep. don't or stop yep. or because the brain will hear no, don't stop. And, and yep. yeah. And you can't yeah. do a not. <laughs> like you can't do a not, right? Sure. Like, so don't, don't, uh, don't close your mouth. What do I do? Yeah. Right. Give them something to do is the mm-hmm. other one that I d- mm-hmm. do as well. Um, yeah. And also the other thing along with that, like, you know, let them explore it is that is literally say out loud. If you're not used to doing it yet, literally say out loud. I would love to hear that four times. Mm. Like literally just say it out loud and then. Lots. So I can always tell when I first start work with, with teachers in this way, so often the students have been so trained to get their feedback immediately from the teacher that they'll sing it once and then they look directly at the <gasps> teacher, right? Yes. Yes. They're so trained. We train them to do that because yeah. Did I, did and I they're do waiting it? for your and approval. They're waiting for whether or not mm. they did it. Right. And they'll sing it once and they're waiting and they have no sense of like whether or not they actually did it for themselves. They have absolutely no sense mm. yet. So that is one way to start to like break that cycle. And sometimes even at the beginning when you start to do this, sometimes because the singers are so well-trained, you can say, 
I would love to hear that four times. And they'll still sing it once and look yeah, at you. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, no, like you still got another three times. Let's go. Right. Just, yep, keep going. And it can be uncomfortable to kind of break that cycle, but that is one way to start is to say it out loud. You know, one of the reasons why kids struggle with practicing is because they haven't been able to sing things enough in the lesson. They just, they just don't, they just don't know the song and they haven't ha- they don't have the muscle memory because you've stopped them so many times. Or they don't, and again, this is part of the self-assessment, right? They, they're used to, their only way to know whether they're doing it right or wrong, quote unquote, is whether you tell uh, them. So you're not there in the practice room with them. They, they, they have know. no way of knowing. Mm. So you're, so that's the like, again, that's the sort of exploration over explanation too, is you do it four times. And now I ask you, which mm. one was your favorite? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. What did you love about it? Okay, mm-hmm. let's do it another four times. And let's see if we can get three out of four of those to sound just like your favorite or to sound like gummy bears because that's why you <laughs> loved it. I don't know, whatever it was, right? Yeah. And so then they go home and they practice and they go like, I know what I'm looking for. Mm. I'm looking for gummy bears in this exercise. Yeah. And I know when There's what gummy bears agency, feels right? like. Yeah. And that's the agency. So then mm. they can actually go home and, and effectively work on whatever it was because they actually have, they have their own benchmarks for success, mm. which is what we want to develop as teachers too, but that's a I different that. thing. I love that. The oh, one, yeah. You had another one. You had yeah. Another. So the one that I mentioned earlier kind of in passing was um, find over fix. Okay, and that is Cindy that. Dewey's. That is, that is Dr. Cindy Dewey's, okay. um, which I was like, oh yeah, that's good. I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, so that is, that is... When we're listening to singers, there's a whole bunch of ways to apply this, but when we're listening to singers and we're listening and we're hearing, you know, whatever it is they're working on and there's something happening that is miscoordinated, not working, not what they want to do, et cetera, rather than saying, rather than looking for the thing I need to fix, which is what Mm -hmm. we do as voice teachers, right? We're like, we diagnose Mm -hmm. as McKinney McKinney's book says the diagnosis and correction of vocal faults, oh, right? Yes. We look to, we're diagnosed for the thing that's wrong. Right. Right. So it's not, it's not a bad thing. Again, morally, it's not a bad thing to like hear that something isn't working. That's part of our job. But rather than articulating the thing that isn't working, put that in your back pocket and figure out what it is that needs to happen in order for the thing to work better. Mm. Find the thing. Mm. So then you start to ask for that thing. So again, someone's right. Someone's singing flat. Okay, they're singing flat. Rather than me saying, ooh, you're singing flat, you got to make it sharper, what am I going to do? I'm going to think to myself, okay, what's the thing that will actually be useful to find the coordination that will be, that will perhaps change the flatness? I don't even have to mention flatness. What I might mention is, how much more energized can that singing be? Nice. That's what I actually wanted, right? Mm. So I'm going to find that thing. I'm going to ask for that thing. The other... The other application, and and then what? Did, they don't even know that they were singing flat. I do that all the time. I say, "Smile on me." Yeah, smile on me. Yeah, ex- <laughs> right. When they're yes. singing "Do Re yes. Me," and it's find like that, that energy, find it, yeah. smile, <laughs> find the energy. And so I'm asking for the coordination. I'm asking them to do the coordination that is actually going to fix, mm. quote unquote, the thing. And then they don't get a hang up over it, and oh, they right, and they don't huge. have to know right, and then they the and they're going toward the thing they want. 
Uh, and the other, like the other application of that is when you're working with singers and the first thing they say is, ooh, that was really terrible. Ooh, I didn't like that. Or that wasn't good or blah, blah, blah. So what do I do? I go in for rather than, oh, what didn't you like about it? Mm. Which is also a possibility, but not, not my favorite, but also a possibility. But, and rather than immediately trying to fix it, mm. that's the other mm-hmm. thing, right? Because mm-hmm. we go like, oh, okay, well then let's try blah, blah, blah. Don't try to fix it. Say, what did you love about it? Oh, was yes. there any, right? So, and find maybe it, they'll find, say, yeah. this was, that was like super uncomfortable. Okay, which one was actually comfortable? Which part of it was comfortable? Which part of it was the least uncomfortable? Mm. Terrific. Let's figure out what was awesome about that comfortableness. And let's see if we can spread that shite all over the place, right? Like, right. let's just see if we can get that coordination going in all of the other areas. Mm. So we work from, and that's the other thing, is that often singers will say, well, that felt uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. And we jump in immediately to fix when it may not actually be something that needs to be fixed, right? We jump in immediately, right? Mm. They give us feedback and we're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, let me help you fix that. Okay, well, I think what we can do about that is blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's so much work. You don't need to work that hard, especially because, like, it's not your job. So your job is to facilitate learning and agency, right? Mm. Your job is not to fix the problems. Your job is to facilitate learning and give options. So when someone says, oh, this was bad or I didn't like that or blah, 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 or that 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 was really hurting in, in that one part. Mm-hmm. Okay, our first instinct is like, oh, it shouldn't hurt. You're right. It shouldn't hurt. But what's a better way to go about it? Mm. Which part was the least hurty? Mm. Where, where, if you're singing a scale, maybe or you're getting, maybe it's you're going up into the chorus or something, and you're like, all of a sudden, it feels straining. Terrific. Which part was the least straining, or where, where, where did you, where did that strain start to come mm. in? Terrific. Let's get that note just before, and let's play with that a little bit, and just see if we can have the same sensation that you have in that note just before moving love up and down. It. Let's just see. What are you doing about that that you love? One of the things I started doing through the pandemic, we started learning, like when we were first trying to figure everything out, I ditched all sorts of like piano-based exercises yeah. and the warm-up was bring me a song you wanted to sing yes i don't care what it is let's just sing it and there was there was not a lot of correction because it was just a yep. warm-up and it was very freeing yep. but the thing i started doing which was really profound was i kept asking them what is your favorite line in yes. this song to sing like what line and i'm like you don't have to share it with me but what line just makes you think of something so so like you can't, yeah. it's all there that and that was huge and i'm like okay now can you spread that to yes. other lines like what other lines could you really dig into yeah, yeah. and that was huge yeah. and especially in a time when kids are really dealing with a lot of emotions and and we all were dealing with so much stress and change and scary things like yeah. that was huge yeah and it was uh it was i i think honestly i had the best lessons sometimes during that Mm-hmm. You know, because everything mm-hmm. was changed mm-hmm. and we were coming at it at a different mm-hmm. approach mm-hmm. and it was about finding the things that they love. Yes. Yeah. And that, I mean, and again, what does that teach? That teaches them they go home when I'm practicing. Am I working to fix something or am I working to find the thing I love in mm, this? Right. It huge. brings us back to like, what do I love? And also, why do I love it? Oh, as they start to, you know, as they start to get older, as they start to get more agency, why do I love it? And then I can see the things that I love in this. And I can also find the things that I love in this part or in this part of the voice, maybe, or in these other songs. Or then I can start to choose repertoire 
based on the things that I know I love yeah. already, right? Yeah. I can start to choose songs to sing based mm-hmm. on the things I love. Mm-hmm. And this also works, you know, this is also so useful for, um, I am a fan of of offering, especially again in, in our in our you know, traditional independent voice studio, I am a big fan, a proponent of offering, making sure that we're offering lots of options, style options Mm. to singers, um, the singers we work with, because without taking voice lessons, they may never be exposed to, let's say, a folk song, right? They may never, they may never Mm, be exposed to, I don't know, something that they would maybe, maybe an art song, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they would never be exposed to that. So I, I mean, as you know, I'm not a fan of like, and now you have to sing an art song. But I am a fan of, oh, you love this song because of what it's saying and mm. the mood of that song and what it's speaking to you about. I would love for you to listen to this song, this song, and this song. One of them happens to be opera. One of them happens to be an art song. And one of them happens to be, I don't know. Jazz. Belt. Jazz. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And because... All th- and let me know if you feel like those have the same kinds of, bring up the same kinds of emotions in you that this mm-hmm. song does. So that is a way to open the door to some of these mm. other styles without enforcing them, right? We open the door, we offer some options, and who knows, maybe they will say, you know what, that opera friggin' spoke to me, and now I would like to learn a little bit of classical singing. That is the way in to teaching classical singing if you want to, if you feel like that's mm-hmm. the way in. The, the Telling people that they have to do it because it's good for them is, you know, terrible. Don't do that. Um, but that's the way in where, so as they start to be able to articulate what they love, as they start to be able to articulate why they love it, that's then your, your gateway into opening and, and, and showing all of the different, I mean, there's so much music, right? There's so mm, much music. So much. And that's the gateway to, to sort of, showing some of these other styles that they may never be exposed to if they if they weren't taking voice lessons, you know? I want to thank you for all of that. But I also want to acknowledge that um, if you've been teaching for a long time and you're reflecting back and you never had those opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Like you're going to feel some feelings about yeah. that, right? Feelings yeah. are gross and, and you like, because... It's going to bring up some stuff. If mm-hmm. you were not held in a space where your authentic voice, I know Jessica uh, Baldwin, Baldwin has been mm-hmm. on our podcast. She's talked about this. Oh, so she beautiful. runs programs for yeah. teachers who have not had, who have not been given the opportunity to truly find their voice. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to a teacher who's listening to this podcast, who's recognizing that I was not given these opportunities, I have this opportunity not to do this to the next generation of singers, but I am feeling some deep, deep feelings. Yes. What do you say when, when you when you got to reflect? I know I'm putting you on the spot there. I know. I, I, I mean, I don't I You don't owe know. me because you've been living in my house for three <laughs> days. <laughs> so true. I've been eating your food. It's so true. Your delicious food. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, as in all good therapy, <laughs> like sit with the feelings, <laughs> sit with the feelings for a while. And also, I mean... I feel like we need to be gracious with ourselves, you know, Mm. like we need to be so kind to ourselves because we, some of this like learning, you know, where 
we're doing the best we can with the information we have. Mm. Mm. You know, we're always doing the best we can with the information we have. I believe that about people, that we are. We're doing the best we can with the information we have. And even, like, even when we've had those experiences ourselves... And we still then bring them into, I mean, it's, it's kind of like parenting, isn't it too? Like mm-hmm. when we still bring them into the teaching studio and then like someone makes it explicit and we're like, oh, frack, really, that's not good. But like just how gracious to yourself can you be? Mm-hmm. And then like, how can you start to just take those first steps out of it? You know, how can you, what are some of the first steps you can take? One of the first steps you can take is like, what music are you actually listening to? <laughs> What's mm. on your what's yeah. on your playlist? What's sure. in your ears? And then why do you love it? Mm-hmm. What what is speaking to you about this music? Mm. And then is there anything that we're we're working on that you love as much? No? Uh-huh. Okay. Let's see if we can find something that you love just mm. as much. <laughs> or is there anything that's coming close to speaking to you as much as that? <laughs> Please. But maybe not. But yeah, I mean, start to take those first steps. Be gracious to yourself. Let mm. yourself, you know, kind of be sad a little bit about it and be, you know, it mm-hmm. is what it is. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't do something until you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Until it's conscious, it's, you can't do anything about it. So. Now you have, uh, you have a very unique offering coming up and I Mm -hmm. would love for you to tell everybody about Mm -hmm. it. So, Mm -hmm. and I love this because it really is, it really is a cool opportunity for teachers. And uh, I mean, uh, well, I'm going to let you explain it because it's brilliant. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, and again, this sort of comes out of like, I'm working with voice teachers in this way, but it's really hard to like, I really want to make sure we get, I want to actually dig into some of these concepts and actually like support voice teachers as we, as, as they change their teaching and as they start to see this, these concepts, as they start to work them out in their teaching Mm -hmm. and as they start to like you know, see what happens in their voice studios and the successes that their students have. And also I want to be able to uh, support teachers as they find their own self-assessments for their own teaching, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to be able to like ha- ha- have allow for teachers to find those benchmarks within themselves and in their own teaching versus continually having to like draw their benchmarks from like whether or not their students got into XYZ college or not. Right. Um, so... Out of that, um, I developed a program called the VoicePed Undegree, um, the VPUD for short, and um, it runs from September to April, so it runs in a sort of traditional academic year frame, okay. um, and the reason I call it the Undegree is because it is, to my mind, it's like the opposite of what you would get in a formal degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just finished the first cohort. Shout out to the eight folks who were in that cohort. Bravo. Yeah, bravo. First co- cohort. Wonderful. And from all over the world. It's really fantastic. Wow. Um, shout out to the Australians who were doing sessions, live sessions at like one in the morning. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Time zones, yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Shout mm. out, shout out. And to some of the like, you know, West Coasters who were getting up earlier than they wanted to mm-hmm. <laughs> for some sessions. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, anyway, so... 
We just finished that in April, uh, the first uh, cohort, and um, learned a lot of things because it was the first time. Mm -hmm. But the main focus is really this. We come in in the very beginning. We talk about what are your goals as a voice teacher. How will your studio look different? How will your teaching look different? What will have Mm. changed by the end of this? And of course, at the very beginning, you don't actually know that much yet about what will have changed, right? You have mm-hmm. some ideas. Mm-hmm. You're like, I, well, most of the folks are like, I, I want to be a more confident teacher, right? Mm-hmm. I want to know that I'm, you know, I want to, I want to um, feel like I'm, I'm doing the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to just know mm-hmm. that I'm doing the right thing, and I want to be more confident. I want to have more tools. In general, that's the sort of things that we come in with. And that's quite general. And so we start to, you know, we start to develop these, we talk about these principles, these teaching principles, start to develop them. We start to, we do, um, you know, learning modules, and then we do a seminar where we talk about them. And then we do labs where we're actually teaching and starting to implement them. Mm -hmm. And then we have, um, you know, open studios where we're, in each other's studios and I'm doing a little bit of coaching while you're teaching. Nice. And we're, yeah. And so we're, we, we develop a set of those kind of find over fix and we develop sort of a set of those. And as we're working through the year, through the academic year, we're starting to develop, we're co-developing which ones of these are the most important for me in my teaching. Mm. Nice. And then how will I know that I am doing them consistently, that I'm mm. successfully implementing these? What are the actual benchmarks? Mm-hmm. And how will I, and also starting to notice the missed opportunities to do that. So when I'm in, when I'm observing a lesson or when we're looking at recordings of you teaching, we're talking about where were the spots where you nailed a find over fix mm. and how do you know that you did it? Like, what did you do to nail that? Like what happened? How, what were the words you used? What were, what was the situation? And then where were the f- spots where you missed an opportunity to, I don't know, ex- explore over explain where were the mm. spots where you missed that opportunity? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so that was a missed opportunity. Why was it a missed opportunity? What happened there? What did you do in that? And then what are you going to do next time? And also what are the triggers that will allow you to recognize that you're about to miss the opportunity and will allow you to get on the right path, right? That will allow you to, to take the opportunity to do the thing. So what, what is about to happen if you, if you, if, if because is about to come out of your mouth, that's probably going to be a missed opportunity <laughs> to, right? You're probably about to explain something yeah, and yeah. maybe you might, might want to be like, Give it a second mm-hmm. and let's explore instead, right? So we we develop throughout the whole year. We're working with each other, but um, you know, with my um, my mentoring. But we're we're developing the tools to not only be explicit about what I want to change in my teaching mm-hmm. and also what it's going to look like when I change, but mm-hmm. also to know when I'm actually on the path to change those things. Mm-hmm. So again, it's an agency and self-assessment. Mm-hmm. And that also just trickles down into the teaching as well. Like your students become, you know, we develop, they start to develop more agency. And then these specialized topics as we go through as well, we do, we do do anatomy and physiology. We do like understanding, deeper understanding of, you know, developing exercises, neurodivergent voices, like child voice, Mm -hmm. expanding Mm -hmm. voice, aging voice. We talk about all of that. We do talk about the sort of mechanics of things, but the, the focus 
right off the top is how are you teaching? I love it. I love it. I am going to put links to your website, to all of that information. And, uh, uh, and I want to thank you. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a better person to have been here in person. Amazing. Finishing up season seven. Amazing. And you were in season one. Did Was I? That? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you were the first person I ever did a podcast with. Oh, no way. Uh-huh. That's yeah, amazing. You were the first, the very first one. Okay. Full disclosure. Whenever I see like my friends that have been colleagues that have been on my podcast and I see you guys are all on other people's podcasts, I get a little like jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, That's oh, you're talking in their podcast. <laughs> Probably wasn't as good as it was on my podcast. It's so ridiculous. But I that I'm just sharing that with my listeners. I do get a little like, hmm. Well, I bet you they didn't ask good questions like I did. But no, that's not true. I'm sure they bought amazing. I'm sure they asked great questions. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, Shannon, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for uh, your your passion for helping teachers become better teachers, for really shaking things up. And, uh, I, I, you know, I have to, I wanted to just say this quickly before I sign off is, you know, your social media presence is really powerful and it's amazing. Some people get a little ruffled, eh? Like, like I'm always, when I read your posts, I always go to the comments because there's always somebody who has been shook. Yeah. Because you're challenging a lot of the status quo. Yeah. And... And I have to say, you really handle that beautifully. Like you're Thank very you. kind. I'd be like, not <laughs> I. <laughs> the things that I would say if the filter wasn't on, but I'm just. But it's but it's hard. It's hard yeah. for people to see that we could do better. We yeah. can always do better, right? Yeah. We can mm-hmm. always do better. Mm-hmm. We can be better communicators. We can be better humans. We can be better teachers. Yep. So thank you for that. So I'm going to put a link to your podcast. I'm going to put a link to your socials. Thank uh, you. Please find and follow Dr. Shannon Coates. If you are a voice teacher, you will, <laughs> you will uh, learn so many things. And, oh, and you also share fabulous resources. I mm. always, your newsletter, mm. your newsletter, Shannon's newsletter is just a whole bunch of great things you find and it's I always there's always some really good stuff on there. So thank you. Thank you I'm for so that. Glad. So yours too. We, <laughs> what? We have to we have to make this a habit you come and record okay. in person. It's so nice not it's talking amazing. on Zoom. <laughs> it's amazing. Awesome. Well uh I'm wishing you uh a happy summer and thank uh, you. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. I was this is wonderful. So wonderful. A very special thank you to Shannon for that incredible conversation. Links to Shannon's information and her website are on the show notes, as well as links to our new online course. Please take a look at that. It's so much fun. And I do want to thank all of my guests on the podcast this past season. What an incredible lineup of incredible teachers, inspired humans that are uh, just doing some incredible things. My friend, we will see you. We're taking our summer break. We've already got an incredible eighth season planned. It is going to be phenomenal. I cannot wait. 
I will see you in September. And I am wishing you an incredible summer, an incredible winter to all my Australian and uh, Southern Hemisphere friends. Uh, And as always, inspired teaching and happy singing. All right. (laughs) Sean Trotter, this is podcast 185 with in-person interview with Shannon Coates. Season finale. Oh, this is so perfect for a season finale. All right. So here we go. (laughs) You have to stop laughing. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to Hemper.